How should I respond to the issue of homosexuality? And why does my response matter? We will answer these questions today with great detail on the Five State Revival podcast. Welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann, and I'm going to do something that I haven't done much of in this podcast, and that is I'm going to devote the entire episode today to one issue, and that is how should we respond to the issue of homosexuality? So I think this is super important. I've really had God stirring this in my heart fresh lately. And uh, here's the reason why. I'm a pastor. um, I'm an evangelist. I love to share the gospel with lost people. And here's what I found. If you're a student, even at any age level, if you're um, an adult in the marketplace, if you're living for Jesus at all, if you're discipling people, if you're sharing the gospel with lost people, this issue is going to come up and you need to be equipped on how to deal with it, on how to respond and speak what God is saying and convey his heart behind what he's saying. It's really important that you're equipped to do this. And so I want to just take this whole episode today and to the best of my ability, I want to equip with you. I want to equip you and share with you uh, some of the things that the Lord has shown me over the last several years. I've been diligently uh, uh, seeking the Lord and seeking to honor God in this issue. And so I want to share with you some things that God has taught me and to equip you to know how to stand with the Lord on it. So I want to begin by just telling you a, a, a prophetic journey that God took us on back in 2014. This is before the Supreme Court decision that legalized same-sex marriage um, throughout the United States. In 2014, on March 9th, God gave my wife a prophetic dream. And in the dream, she saw she was standing in the capital city of South Dakota in Pierre, and she saw a storm um, uh, coming from the Rapid City area, and suddenly it engulfed the capital city of Pierre. And when it did, she took refuge, and the Lord said, basically communicated to her that um, there is a political storm that's coming to South Dakota rapidly. It's coming really quick, and it's coming from the west. It's coming from Rapid City. And he says, right now, South Dakota does not have the strength to take its a righteous stand against this storm. But if South Dakota does not stand in righteousness against this storm, it will bring judgment and discipline from the Lord. And so it was a very serious dream. And so two days later, uh, my wife was seeking the Lord about this dream. She says, God, what is the storm that's coming to South Dakota? God gave her a vision. And in the vision, she saw these two large black gates. They were evil black gates that were opening up over South Dakota. And written on the black gates were the words, same-sex marriage. And then the black gates opened in the vision and there was a horde of demonic spirits that flooded into South Dakota through those open gates and oppressed and tormented people at a level that we had not yet experienced before. And um, the Lord spoke to her really clearly. He says, the storm that's coming to South Dakota from the Rapid City area is uh, the storm of same-sex marriage. And right now, South Dakota does not have the strength to resist it. And if they do not take a stand with me and resist it, it will bring disciplinary judgments from the Lord. That was the message. So as she's seeing this vision, um, she began interceding and praying. And I want to just read to you directly what she wrote about that time of intercession after she saw that vision. She said, after I was shown this, I spent time before the Lord asking him what could be done to keep this storm out or at least stand firm for righteousness in the storm in South Dakota. 
The real question was, how can South Dakota um, avoid the judgments, disciplinary judgments that come from the Lord? How can we change the outcome? How can we still obtain blessing from the Lord as a state? In response, she says, I saw the following. I saw a judge's hammer coming down. Then I saw a set of scales tipped and I heard the Lord say, South Dakota, South Dakota, I have weighed you in the scales and found you wanting. Sound judgment has been pronounced. You want a reversal? You want mercy and blessing? Then break the silence. Your silence is ringing in my ears. Silence, silence. You have thought silence was righteous. You have thought that a quiet faith was strong. You were wrong. Your silence is ringing in my ears. It's speaking loudly to me. You want a reversal? Then break the silence and proclaim boldly my truth. Now, Autumn, my wife, goes on to, to, to say that she was actually seeking the Lord for a, she's a prayer leader. And so she was like, God, what's a prayer strategy? You know, can we mobilize uh, sacred assemblies or prayer in the state to to avoid this judgment and to overcome the storm of same-sex marriage. And uh, to her surprise, God didn't give her a prayer strategy. He gave her a speaking strategy. He says, the problem is you guys are quiet on this issue and you need to break the silence and speak the truth about what my word says concerning um, sexual morality, the homosexual issue, and the marriage issue. And you need to speak it. You need to speak my truth in love. And he says, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for my people to break the silence in South Dakota. That's how you can avoid this storm and how you can avoid the judgment that would come as a result of it. Well, to our total surprise, four days after she received this dream about the same-sex marriage storm coming out of Rapid City, a friend of ours sent us an article and on the front page of, of that day's Rapid City Journal, it was March 13, 2014, um, there was a, 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 an article about two women from Rapid City who were lesbian and they were going to be su getting married in another state, coming back to South Dakota to sue the state of South Dakota to, have, to make it legal for um, same-sex marriage uh, to become legal in South Dakota. In other words, to open up that black gate so that demonic hordes could would end up coming and oppress people. And so we were just in awe of God at that moment because we had no idea that that this was on the horizon in Rapid City other than God told us the dream. But the dream happened exactly as God said it would. Within four days of the dream, the storm came to South Dakota and it came from Rapid City. This was such high level high level, obvious prophetic confirmation. We knew for sure that this was a word of the Lord and that the message of our response was break the silence. Your silence is ringing in my ears. We needed to break the silence. And um, I want to, um, I want to uh, share with you a, a couple other prophetic things that God began to share in that season, just because I think this is important to understand, even though this was back in 2014, now same-sex marriage is legal in all of the United States. It wasn't back then, it is now. And um, I'm praying for a reversal of that. And um, But I still think that this word applies to us today, it, it, to know how God wants his people to respond to this issue. He wants us to break the silence and speak the truth in love. And, and so my wife uh, wrote this. She said, there is so much intimidation and fear over the people of God to speak the truth, but polite silence will cost us more than we could imagine in this hour. 
She said, just a few days ago, the Lord gave me another dream concerning this. Now, again, this is back in 2014. I was in the sound booth of a conservative Christian church, and as the pastor was speaking, I began to slowly turn up the volume. Immediately, the pastor became uncomfortable and told me to turn it back down. Friends, we have to turn up the volume even if it makes us uncomfortable. Again, the Lord is speaking to us that we need to break the silence, that we need to turn up the volume. You know, we need to actually engage people in this conversation and speak what God says about the issue of homosexuality, about the issue of uh, same-sex marriage, about the issue of sexual purity. Is this the only issue we need to be speaking on? No, there's many issues that we need to speak what God's word says about it. But this issue is in our face and God has... And it's important. It's going to come up when you're sharing the gospel with people. They're going to bring it up to you. I've had it happen to me. It's going to come up when you're discipling people and you're going to need to know what God says and equip people to stand with the Lord um, when it comes up. We need to break the silence. An encouraging thing that happened was this, is uh, another lady shared a, a vision that she had had shortly after this. And um, she saw Jesus looking over, riding throughout South Dakota, and he was watching the people's response. And he was looking for people who were breaking the silence and were willing to speak the truth in love on this issue of homosexuality and same-sex marriage. And when he saw people that were standing with him, that were breaking the silence, he would crown them and he would knight them. And uh, in, in other words, he would promote them and he would give them authority to, to be able to speak the message that he had put in their heart because this is a message that he wanted to be heard. And when he saw people willing to proclaim it in love, he would give them a voice. He would give them authority. He would give them promotion. And then uh, I want to share just uh, one last prophet, prophetic word uh, that God gave to my wife concerning this issue. And um, she was, it was concerning the shepherds in South Dakota. And, um, you know, even in the, the dream that I shared with you just a minute ago, uh, it was interesting that, you know, these conservative pastors in South Dakota, they were uncomfortable with turning up the volume on this issue. It was easier just to kind of avoid it, avoid controversy, don't offend people, you know, but, but God was insisting, hey, I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable, you need to break the silence. You need to turn up the volume and speak what I'm saying on this issue and equip your people to stand with Jesus so that they'll be blessed. And um, so uh, God showed, uh, just spoke to my wife uh, and showed her a vision when she was praying for the shepherds of South Dakota. And uh, basically what God showed her was she saw angels. She saw God um, sending angels to South Dakota in response to her prayers. And she says, and God told her, like, if you'll pray, I'm going to send angels that will, and she saw these angels go and touch pastors who were sleeping and it, they would awaken and have strength from God. And it was a grace that in response to our prayers that God would awaken sleeping shepherds and give them strength to speak the truth and stand with the Lord on this issue. So we need to be praying for the shepherds. And uh, the other thing that God showed her was, uh, and I'll just read it is that the Lord is eager to awaken and strengthen South Dakota shepherds and he's releasing angels to do it if we'll pray for that. And I'm so thankful for that because I myself am a shepherd in South Dakota. But the second part of the word that he showed her is that the Lord is bringing his sword 
to his church in South Dakota. And I'm just going to read you a quote from a paragraph, what she wrote. She said, yesterday, as I was before the Lord praying for his shepherds, the Lord made it clear that he was bringing his sword to the church of South Dakota and especially our pastors. The Lord showed me a picture of Korah's rebellion. And he said that the sword of the Lord is drawing a line in the sand and those who will not come into agreement with the Lord will be judged by him. We know that the sword of the Lord is his word. This same-sex marriage issue is a dividing line. The scripture is clear about where the Lord stands on this issue, but I am afraid that many of his leaders are not standing on the right side with God's word. So obviously we need to be praying for a spiritual awakening among God's shepherds, but here's why I'm sharing this with you. One, so that you'll know the word of the Lord. Two, so that you'll pray for the shepherds and pray on this issue. But three, so that you will awaken. You know, I want to encourage you, it is likely that you in some way are a shepherd over someone. There's, You probably have children that God has called you to uh, disciple. Are you equipping them to stand with the Lord on this issue? I guarantee you they're hearing about it in school. I guarantee you their friends are talking about it. They're hearing about it in the media. They're hearing the devil's perspective. Are you equipping them with God's perspective so they have the strength to stand with the Lord and not, not be deceived with the masses? Also, you're probably discipling people. This isn't just for pastors of official congregations and churches. If you're discipling people, you're influencing people, you're leading people, are you breaking the silence? Are you awakened on this issue? Are you speaking the truth about what God says and are you doing it in love? So anyway, in the next segment, we're gonna answer the question, what does God say about homosexuality straight from the scriptures? So what does God say about the issue of homosexuality? You know, back in, I think it was 2014, um, I, I made it a goal in response to the prophetic word to break the silence on this issue. I tried to meet with every single pastor in my city and have a loving, honest, respectful conversation with them about this issue to see where they stood, if they were with the Lord or not with the Lord. And I remember there was one pastor that I met with in particular. And um, as I asked him what he thought about this issue, his response was uh, neutral. You know, he says, well, I haven't really, I don't really know where I stand on the issue of homosexuality and same-sex marriage. He goes, um, I've not really studied it out yet in the Bible. And uh, this is, I told him, you know, we were having a loving, honest, honest conversation and uh, he knew that I loved him. And I told him, honestly, I said, listen, I was like, you need to figure out where God stands on this issue. It won't take you very long to study it out. There's really only a handful of Bible verses that explicitly refer to homosexuality and every single one of them are overwhelmingly negative. It's gonna be easy for you to figure out where God stands. Just read, you can do it in an hour. You know, look up the verses that talk about homosexuality and the Bible universally condemns the practice throughout the entire Bible. So it's gonna be easy to know where God stands. So I wanna just go through some of the verses. So, And I encourage you to look these up on your own, read them in your own Bible, and find out directly from God's mouth where he stands on this issue. Because once you discover where God stands on an issue, you know where you should be standing. You wanna be standing with the Lord wherever he is at. So, of course, there's the famous story in Genesis chapter 19 of where homosexuality is referenced uh, in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, it wasn't the only sin that was happening in that city. There were other sins that were happening that caused God 
to judge the city. He literally destroyed the entire cities of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, because of their sin, because of the the wicked things that they were doing. But for sure, when you read that passage, uh, it is clearly expressed that the um, the level of depravity in that society had sunk to such a low level that uh, th- that and homosexuality was one of the expressions of that depravity is what the Bible indicates in Genesis chapter 19. In Leviticus chapter 18 through 22, God says this, do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. I'm gonna tell you that verse right there could not be any clearer of how God feels about the practice of homosexuality. And again, I'll be talking about this more later. It should be noted, God loves people who are caught up in homosexual lifestyles. He loves sinners. Just like he loves people who are caught up in adultery, he loves murderers. He wants to rescue them from a sinful lifestyle and give them a new nature and set them free and uh, help them become the the man or the woman that he created them to be. So um, Leviticus chapter 20, 13 is another verse that references uh, homosexuality as being something that God is against. Romans chapter 1, 24 through 27, I'm just gonna read these verses to you. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Now this is God, this is the Apostle Paul talking about the downward spiral of the human race uh, when they chose to worship idols instead of uh, worship the one true God. He was revealed to them, they knew who he was, but when they rejected the true light of who God was, they, society began to spiral downward and, and that's he's commenting on the, that downward spiral of society. He says, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Again, clear that God calls homosexuality uh, a sin in that passage of Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-11, through 11, the Apostle Paul writes, We know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people to do who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral, listen to this, or who practice homosexuality, or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else, listen to this, that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news gospel entrusted to me by our blessed God. And Paul's saying right here that 
homosexual homosexual practice among a list of other sins is clearly a sin it's clearly contrary to the wholesome teaching of the word of god that springs forth from the good news of the gospel you know sometimes i'm going to talk about this in the next uh, segment probably a little bit more but I, I think some of the times people in the name of evangelism they're like well we don't want to say what the word of god says about homosexuality because it will offend homosexualities and they won't believe in jesus if they hear it but you know what uh but but god says that it the part of the message of the good news the wholesome teaching that springs from the gospel is this the gospel sets us free from sin the gospel calls us to turn and to repent of our sin and to live for Jesus according to the way that he created us to live. The gospel is good news because it gives us power to not only be forgiven of sin, but to break free from its dominating power over our lives. We can be free and we who once lived in sin have the ability through Christ to live a godly life from this point forward. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 10 says, do not, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Again, we need to listen to that exhortation on these very things. He's like, don't be deceived on this. Why does he say that? I think it's because there's a propensity in our society to be deceived because the flow of the tide in our culture is pushing people to accept homosexuality as something that's okay and compatible with a Christian lifestyle. When the clear teaching of scripture is that it is absolutely incompatible. A born again believer cannot practice this. So Paul says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, here it is, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, listen, will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says clearly right there that homosexual practice uh, those who practice that uh, as a lifestyle and don't repent of that lifestyle, um, along with others who don't repent of other types of sinful lifestyles, he says, these people, they're not going to be in heaven. They're not going to be a part of the kingdom of God. They're not going to be in heaven with God forever. You know, that to me, if I love homosexual people, I'd say there's two questions. Number one, I would ask you, do you believe the word of God? Do you believe that it's true? And if you do, and this is right, which of course we're believers of Jesus, we believe the word of God. If this is true, and I know that homosexuals will not be in heaven with God. And then the second question is, do you love gay people? Do you love lost people? Do you love them enough to speak the truth and say, you know, God loves you. He died on the cross to forgive this sin. This is homosexuality is not the unforgivable sin. You can totally be forgiven. You can totally be cleansed. If you'll believe in Jesus, if you're willing to repent and follow Jesus, he will cleanse you, make you a first-class citizen in the kingdom of God and give you power to, to walk free from this sin and live a pure life. You know, that's all of our testimony who know Jesus. That is the way it works. We want to speak this truth, but if you love these people, we can't withhold this information from them. We need to call them to repentance on this issue and do it in love because we care about them. Revelation 21 verse 8, the last scripture I'll read here. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, here it is, the sexually immoral, which as we've already read in other scriptures, includes the practice of homosexuality. 
those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That's, that's hell, the lake of fire. This is the second death. You know, we, it's not hard when you just read the scriptures and, uh, and say, okay, let me find out what God says about this issue. So therefore I will know where to stand and what to think on this issue. Cause I just agree with God. That's what we do as believers. If you just take the scriptures themselves and read God's direct thoughts on this issue of homosexuality, it's easy and it's clear to know where he stands and it's so that we can agree with him. But if you're deciding where to stand on this issue and you take God's word and then also you mix in with it people's emotional stories and their opinions that contradict God's teaching and you throw all those ingredients together and try to figure out where you should stand, then it's confusing. Then it's like, man, I don't know where to stand. I mean, God kind of says this, but then people say that he doesn't really mean what he actually said. And they have all these sad stories in my heart. I kind of feel sad for them and all this kind of stuff. And then it's confusing. But listen, as believers, we have to remember this. We determine what we believe based solely on what the Bible says. It's not upon, uh, based upon popular opinion. It's not based upon what others think. It's not based upon whatever story or testimony you hear out there. We define what is right. We define what is wrong according to the scriptures. So now that we've said that, we're going to move into the next segment where I, will, where I will answer the question, why is it important for us to speak truth and stand with God on this issue? So why is it important for us to speak the truth and stand with God on the issue of homosexuality and I would say also uh, same-sex marriage? And I'm going to give you three reasons why this issue, it's important that we speak up on this issue. Number one, this is an evangelistic issue. You know, I, I share the gospel regularly. I mean, I, I am just sharing the gospel with lost people a lot. I'm intentional about it. I go out regularly and do this. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people over just the last few years sharing the gospel and talking to them about how to know Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, as I share the gospel with lost people, I've had several times where they brought up to me the issue of homosexuality. I'll be explaining the gospel to them and I'll be, because my goal in evangelism is I don't, it's not my responsibility to convince the person to follow Jesus. My responsibility is to clearly communicate to them what the word of God teaches, what the gospel says, so that they can make an informed decision about whether they want to follow Jesus or not. And as I've been sharing the gospel with people, they bring it up to me. I've had it happen several times. They're like, well, what about homosexuality? Because I think homosexuality is okay. And I have friends that are gay. I mean, I've had several people this has come up with. And I, I don't mind when the issue comes up because I think it's an, it's an excellent opportunity to explain and illustrate to them what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus doesn't mean that we just say, I believe in Jesus, that he died to forgive my sins, but I can live the way I choose. No, to, to follow Jesus means not only that you believe the good news about the death and resurrection of Jesus, but that you repent and you submit to Jesus as Lord. And that's not just an empty confession that has no practical outworking in our everyday life. To submit to Jesus as Lord means that 
I agree with him. I'm going to obey what he says. I'm going to believe what he says. And if, if something I feel on an issue, it contradicts what the word says he feels on an issue, then I'm the one who's wrong, not him. I'm going to change and agree with him because God was not going to be changing his opinion to agree with me. God is righteous. He's holy. He is who he is. He's always been this way. He never changes. We're the ones who need to change and conform to light. He's not going to conform to darkness. And so that's just fundamental for following Jesus, this fundamental concept that, man, I need to obey God and agree with what he says. So when people are sharing with me, uh, as I'm sharing the gospel with lost people and they say, well, I'm homosexual, would I have to change? And I like to show them the scriptures. I says, well, I already explained to you that um, if you're going to follow Jesus, that means you have to obey his word, right? On every issue. And they're like, yeah, I get that. And I say, okay, well, let me just show you what God says. I'll show you the verses. You read it for yourself. And then you tell me, does God require you to change? You know, and I could tell them the verses. I show it to them. And it's so clear. I just read the verses to you in the last segment of this uh, podcast. It's so clear what God says. And then I've had this happen several times. They're kind of like, oh, well, man, I don't know if I'm ready to do this yet. And, and you know, I kind of want to follow Jesus, but it's clear to me from seeing what you just showed me in the scripture that I would have to change in this area. And I, and I tell them, I said, the good news is that God will help you do it. You can't do it in your own strength, but God will give you the power, supernatural power from within to be able to do this. That's the good news of the gospel. He loves you. And, and, I, and I tell them, I said, here's where you're at right now. You're, you're at this point. God is, to encourage you, he is drawing you to himself. That's why you're stirred up and you have this desire to want to draw near to Jesus and be a follower of Jesus. But now you're counting the cost. You're at this stage where you're counting the cost. You see the price. You see what's required for you to walk with God. And you're saying, okay, am I going to do this? And I just want to encourage you. God is drawing you to him, but I wanted you to know all the facts so you can make an informed decision so that when you do it, you can go all the way with it and receive the full benefits of what Jesus promised for you. So this is an evangelistic issue. You know, here's the cool thing. I've had this conversation many times with lost people. And do you know what? Every single time I've had it, I've walked away afterward. They actually love me more than even before we had that conversation. Even though they may not agree with me, even though I told them what Jesus said about it clearly, I did it in love. They could tell, listen, I'm not telling you this because I look down on you. I mean, I'm not telling you this because I think you're disgusting. I, I'm telling you this because I care about you and I don't want to lie to you. I just want to be honest and tell you the truth about God. I don't want to be a used car salesman type person who just tells you what you want to hear and doesn't really give you all the facts. I want to be upfront and honest with you because I respect you and I love you and I care about you. And uh, I want to see this work in your life. And you know, always they, they tell me, man, I just, I love you. And I tell them I love you too. And we have a great relationship. Even to this day, I do with those people that I've talked with about this. So this is an evangelistic issue. Listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This informs my evangelistic philosophy. Paul says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Listen, here, here's the point. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You know what I find? 
my job is not to withhold truth from people so that they'll say yes to Jesus and say a prayer and sign my card and make me feel good about myself. That's not my goal. I actually care about the person. I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. I want them to know Jesus. So I want to give them all the facts, all the information they need so they can get free from sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I try to just, I set forth the truth plainly. And again, I just want to reiterate this is our job is to accurately present Jesus to people in word and in spirit so that they can make an informed decision. And Paul says, you know, when we set forth the truth just plainly like that, we actually commend ourselves to their conscience. And I've seen that happen. You know, when I just tell people honestly, they may not even agree with what I say, but they actually respect me because they're like, you know what? I can tell that you care about me and that and and I and I could tell that you're being honest and I actually respect you. I can tell you really believe what you believe and uh, that you actually care about me. You're not doing it looking down on me. You actually care about me. And so I commend myself to their conscience by setting forth the truth plainly and doing it in love. This is an evangelistic issue. You know, uh, I um I heard a story about a man who a Christian man who went to a uh, a homosexual fundraising type of event. It was a dinner, and he was sitting at and he and he went there just to kind of hear what the other side was saying. And as he's sitting at this table with homosexual couples all around him, and as he's sitting there, to his surprise, he looks at, he's looking at one of them, and God gives him this open vision or this vision, and he sees a snake coiled around this man's neck, this homosexual man, coiled around his neck, suffocating him, choking him. And he knows instantly that that guy can't get the snake off by himself and that he's going to have to help get the snake. If he doesn't get the snake off the guy's neck for him, then he has no chance to get free and it's going to kill him. It's going to suffocate him. But he also knows this. There's a challenge. He says, I can't just go in there with my fork and my knife stabbing at the snake because in the process of trying to set him free, I might accidentally miss the snake and wound the man himself. And you know, this is the tension that we face in sharing the gospel with homosexual people is the, the snake around the neck is the deception, the lie that homosexuality is healthy and that it's acceptable by God. It's not. And we have to speak the truth. We have to help get the deception off of them so that they can see the truth and be saved and not killed by this thing. But we can't just go in uh, cavalier and angry and just saying, why don't you see this? What's your problem? You know, it's obviously a sin. And we go into that. We can wound the person. And so we need to go speak the truth. We need to get the deception off of them, but we need to do it with gentleness. We need to do it with love. We need to do it with kindness. Yet, we need to do it boldly and we need to do it with clarity and without being confusing about it. We need to let them know what the Bible says and do it in love and gentleness, humility, and respect. Okay, so this is an evangelistic issue. That is the number one reason why we need to uh, speak and stand for truth on this issue. But also, not only is this an evangelistic issue, it's a pastoral discipleship issue. Listen, uh, you're discipling people, this issue is going to come up because they're going to be discipling people, witnessing to people, and they're going to be like, where does God stand on it? And you're going to have to be able to equip them. This is what the Bible says. And this is how you speak the truth and stand with Jesus walking in truth, but you got to do it in love. You got to do it with gentleness, humility, respect, etc. But you need to be able to equip the people you're pastoring and you're discipling to stand on this issue. You know, I, I feel this as a father, 
And even as a pastor over a church congregation, I am so aware that the word of God teaches, I will give an account to God for how I led his people. They're not my people, they're his people. And it is my responsibility as an under shepherd, under Jesus leadership, the great shepherd, it is my responsibility when there's wolves, wolves in the land to equip the people to not be swept away with the deception. I have to speak the truth. I have to equip them. This is what God says. Here's the negative consequences that happen if you don't stand with the Lord. And here's the positive consequences that will happen if you do stand with the Lord. And you're going to have persecution. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be mistreated. You're going to be slandered when you stand with God. But if you'll do it in love, there's great reward for you in the end. And I'll be talking about about that in the next segment. But it's a pastoral discipleship issue. You need to know where God stands so that you can equip the people you're leading to stand with God on this issue. And also so they don't get swept away in the deception and fall away from the Lord altogether. And then finally, the third reason that uh, we need to speak up on this issue of homosexuality is because it's a prophetic issue. Um, It's a prophetic issue because we need to prophetically equip believers to stand with God and not fall away from the Lord. I really believe this with all my heart. This issue is a line in the sand. Uh, it's it's um, those who, because it's so clear in the Bible what God says about this. So for believers who make the choice to say, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to take my stand contrary to what the word of God clearly says, that that will send them down a road, a slippery slope of thinking that they get to determine right from wrong and they're not accountable to the word of God. That will lead them into a lifestyle that if it's not repented of, um, they'll, they will deny the Lord and they will end up falling away from the Lord. And so it's an, a prophetic issue. We need to equip the church to not fall away from God. They need to stand with Jesus on this because it's so clear what the word of God says. This isn't a gray issue. This is a, a, a very easy issue to discern what God says about it in his word. But it's also a prophetic issue because we need to rally the church to pray and agree with God to resist the devil's agenda in our region. You know, that black gate of hell that the demonic hordes are flooding into our state that my wife saw in that vision uh, related to this issue of of same-sex marriage, and I would also include in there homosexuality. Um, Listen, it's a big deal. God has given his church authority in the spirit to rule over cities and over regions in the place of prayer through speaking the truth in love, to be a prophetic voice. And here's the deal. When we are silent, the enemy's voice is magnified. And uh, people will believe it, and his agenda will be accomplished. And when his agenda is accomplished, all of a sudden, people in society who normally, even just it, the most natural way of things is uh to, for a man to have desires for a woman and a woman desires for a man and not to have sexual desires toward somebody of the same sex. It's the most natural way of things. But when it becomes a prevalent uh, mantra and way of thinking in society, a deception from the enemy takes root and people are equipped, homosexuality is normal. Homosexuality is okay. You should experiment with it and just find out which one you are, you know, to find out if you're homosexual or not. It's totally fine. When people are raised believing this deception from the childhood, all of a sudden they become open to experience 
experimenting with demonic things and sins that they never would have even considered before. And so it's important as a prophetic voice that the church speaks the truth in love and lets our light shine on this issue. Also, it's a prophetic issue because we need to be a clear prophetic voice representing Jesus to the world. So anyway, I'm going to move into the final segment of this podcast, and I'm going to answer the question, how should we respond to false accusation, slander, and persecution that will surely come when we stand with the Lord on this issue? So obviously, when we take a stand and we and we even in the most loving, gentle, respectful, honoring way possible, speak the truth about what God says on this issue, there are going to be times when people are going to falsely accuse us of being haters. They're going to slander us and say that we don't love them. They're going to say that we're homophobic. They're going to falsely accuse us of all kinds of things. They're going to give us all kinds of bad labels. They're going to slander us. They're going to mistreat us. I mean, this is going to happen, not universally, but it will happen. It's happening right now, and you can expect that to happen. So how should we respond when that happens to us? And again, I want to just look at the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 5, I want to look at two scriptures where Jesus gives us instruction for how to respond to these types of situations. Matthew 5, verse 10 through 16, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. In other words, taking a stand for what is right, doing what is right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he continues, Blessed are you when people insult you. Hello, does that sound familiar? They call you haters, whatever it is. When they persecute you and they falsely say all kinds of evil against you. You know, they say you're homophobic. They call you a hater, They whatever it is. These are false accusations. It's not true. The only reason, it's easier to not say anything and just be liked by people. But it's actually because we love God and we love the people Uh, we're going to do what's difficult for us and we're going to break the silence and speak the truth in love even though we know it's going to bring backlash and make things hard on us temporarily. We love people enough that we're going to speak the truth anyway. But they'll falsely say that we're doing it for wrong motives, etc. Jesus says, Blessed are you when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. That's how we should respond. Because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, here's the deal. All the, you know, you read through the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the prophets, the guys who were actually taking a stand with God and doing the right thing that were commended by God in the scriptures in a dark society that was uh, depraved and had fallen away from the Lord and was walking in deception, the guys who spoke the truth, the ladies who spoke the truth and stood with the Lord are honored and commended by God. And uh, history testifies that God is smiling on them and they have a great reward in heaven right now that they're enjoying. Then Jesus continues. He says, listen, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. See, back in Jesus' day, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have freezers. And so a lot of times meat, of course, would decay. And one of the ways that they would slow down the decay rate in meat is that they would put salt on it. They would just cover it in salt and rub salt to it. And the the salt would act as a preserving agent 
to slow down the decay that was happening in that piece of meat. And, you know, in, in a society that is decaying because of sin, God says about you and I, about believers in Jesus, he says, you act as salt in the earth. If you, if you speak the truth in love and you let your light shine, you slow down the decay that's happening in society. Jesus continues. He also says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it on under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here's the final exhortation. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God tells us when you're being persecuted for truth, um, he says, don't back off and go into a closet and not speak the truth in love anymore. He says, your salt loses its saltiness. You're no longer good for anything in society. He says, I put you there. I know you're taking hits for it, but I want you to speak the truth. I don't want you to hide the light of truth that you have because it's bringing you hardship. I want you to take the bull off and I want you to let the truth, let the light shine so that people can see the truth, see your good deeds. And the result is, is there's gonna be people who actually believe it and glorify our Father who is in heaven. I wanna just make this point on responding to false accusation. You know, one, there's so many believers. This is, uh, I, I've talked to a lot of believers on this issue over the last couple of years. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I've heard this so many times that they're so afraid, genuine believers are so afraid of being mischaracterized as haters or being falsely accused of, well, people are going to think I'm unloving. And so they never speak the truth. They just say, oh, we love you, homosexual homosexuals, and we love you. And they may not actually outright um, affirm homosexuality by saying it's okay, but they just are silent on the issue because like, well, they just need to know I love them. They just need to know I love them. And because um, they're so afraid of being labeled by society as somebody who's a hater. But I wanna just say this to you. You know what? We need to be confident in our identity in Christ. And we need to base our confidence upon what God is saying about us rather than what society or people say about us. You know, people could come up to me and say, ah, oh, you're just, you're doing this podcast. You're saying what God says about this. You're just a hater. You don't understand. You're uh, not loving. They could say that. You know what? That in terms of how I feel about myself, that doesn't bother me at all because it's a lie. It's not true. I know who I am and I know that I love you and that's why I'm speaking up on this issue. I could be selfish and just say nothing so that I don't have to endure any hardship, but because I love God and because I love you and because I care about my eternal reward, I want to be a true messenger of God who speaks the truth and represents Jesus accurately in what he's saying, but also in the spirit and the heart that he says it in, which is love and respect. And so we need to be confident about who you are in Christ. You know what? I've been so proud of Christians for the most part on this issue. Almost every time I hear a believer speak up on issue, on this issue of homosexuality, same-sex marriage, they're doing it like in, in fear and trembling. You can almost like see them shaking sometimes. And But they're doing it, you can tell they're doing it in love, they're doing it in humility. It's not easy for them, but they're doing it anyway. And I'm like, you know, I'm proud of the way you're representing Jesus right now. You, you're representing his word, but also his heart. And I'm so proud of you. And of course, the devil's going to put the lie out there in society and people are going to falsely accuse us. But listen, 
don't base your uh, identity on that. God is proud of you. When you are standing with him and loving him and people enough to speak the truth and represent him in love, he is proud of you. And other people may accuse you and slander you and say falsely evil things about you, but don't believe it. God is proud of you. Rejoice and be glad because you're going to have a great reward in heaven. And God's going to use you because you're shining. God's going to use you to draw other people to himself. And so praise God for that. Last scripture that I want to share is this. Matthew 5. Verse 43 through 44, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, how do we respond to the persecution and the false accusations and the mistreatment and the slander is we don't respond by defending ourselves. We don't respond by getting mad at people and slandering them back. We respond by praying for those who are persecuting us and loving and blessing our enemies who are doing these bad things to us. We love them in spite of it. And in doing so, we shine the love of Jesus while holding out the word of truth so that people can be saved. I want to just read this article to you uh, and then I'll pray in conclusion after it. It's called The Gay Protest That Encountered the Love of God. It's written by Michael Brown. He said, last week, Scott Volk, one of the pastoral leaders at Fire Church, my home congregation, received a call from the local police informing him that there would be a gay protest outside our building on Sunday morning. Now, this is back in 2012. The leader of the protest announced on Facebook, we will meet just before service begins and protest as they gather. We will have a silent protest as service is going and let them have it as they leave for the day. Remember, we will be peaceful and respectful, something they don't understand. We are going to stand together as a community to show that our love is stronger than their hate. In response, I wrote on my blog, On behalf of Fire Church, I want to extend to you the warmest welcome and let you know that we are thrilled that you are here with us on Sunday. We have been praying for you for a long time. As always, you will only meet with love, kindness, and respect from the fire leadership and congregants. And we proclaim to you once again the amazing grace of God. Jesus died to save us from our sins, heterosexual and homosexual alike, and only in him can we find forgiveness, redemption, and transformation. Jesus alone is the healer, savior, deliverer, and transformer. On my radio show, I also encouraged them to come in good numbers so we could greet them. And Scott posted a note on Q Notes, a local gay website that had announced the protest saying, as the pastor of Fire Church, I just want you to know that you'll be greeted with the same love and compassion as we always endeavor to show anyone. You are more than welcome. You make mention of the hate that we show, yet in all our years here, we've only desired to reach out with love to everyone in the local community here, whether they are labeled as gay or straight, Hopefully, you'll see that love demonstrated on Sunday as you protest. Not surprisingly, the given the suspicion and misunderstanding that exists, Scott's gracious invitation drew some hostile responses. David said, love is the most disfigured mask that hate wears, unquote. Sue said, if what you think is reaching out in love is perceived as hateful attack, perhaps you should reconsider your actions. David said, You can fool yourself, Mr. Volk. You can fool your parishioners, but you can't fool God. He knows what's in your heart, and it isn't love, it's hate. Tom said, 
What these fire church people probably don't understand is that spending an eternity anywhere with them is what I would consider a true hell. They should con- concern themselves with their own pathetic lives and leave other, uh, others alone to theirs. Scott responded, the pastor, by inviting them to his home for dinner to spend a night with him and his family. And he explained that to call someone hateful without ever meeting them, seeing them or hearing them speak is an indication of a heart that needs love. I make myself available to everyone, Scott said. So on Sunday morning, August 26, about 10 protesters showed up and some of our fire leaders met with them, offering them water and snacks, sharing God's love and truth with them, and then inviting them to join us in the service. After a few minutes, they left explaining that we were too nice and loving to deserve a protest. Bear in mind that these protesters know the stands we have taken for biblical values, and some of them have listened to my radio broadcasts or read my writings, so they recognize how strongly we differ with them on many key issues. Yet they also recognized our genuine love for them and saw that we were not full of hate. The love of Jesus flowing out of spirit-filled, godly hearts makes an impact that cannot be denied. Scott shared this good news on the QNotes website along with the invitation to those calling us hateful to join him for dinner at his house. In response, Spidery wrote, I want to hear more about this Jesus. And JB commented, Even I would be welcome there? It would be an honor to meet Scott Volk and Dr. Brown. I'm beginning to see light as very attractive. How amazing! The next day, Monday, August 27th, the leader of the protest called into my radio show to apologize publicly for the protest, explaining that their anger was aimed in the wrong direction. And then he said these words, quote, Once we got there Sunday morning, we were greeted with absolutely perfect love. I mean, it was fantastic, unquote. After the broadcast, we exchanged contact information and are looking forward to sharing a meal together and more importantly, candidly sharing our hearts. This is genuinely good news. When the Lord called me to get involved with homosexual issues eight years ago, he said to me, reach out and resist, meaning reach out to the people with compassion and resist the activist agenda with courage. Is it possible to do both? By God's grace, the answer is yes. And in the end, love never fails. I love this story. We respond to the persecution. We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We want to see them get set free and and, uh, come to the light of the truth so that they can be saved and experience a relationship with God through Jesus in the same way that we have. So I just want to end with prayer. Father, Right now, we pray blessing over the homosexuals living in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would lead them to know Jesus out of sexual immorality, out of their sin, set them free from uh, the spirit of immorality, and, and make them whole again. We speak blessing that they would know Jesus and be saved. And God, we also pray for your people in our region to break the silence on this issue and to represent you accurately in word, what you say, where you stand, and in the right spirit, in love and humility, gentleness and respect. And Father, I pray for the shepherds in our region, even for the shepherds listening to this podcast episode. God, would you awaken us 
and help us to turn up the volume and speak the truth and love on these issues. Let our light shine in this season. And God, even though the Supreme Court has ruled that same-sex marriage must be allowed in the sta- in in the in our in the nation, I pray in Jesus' name that the day will come when that law will be overturned and that throughout all of our five-state region, that same-sex marriage would not happen anymore and that there would be a great awakening and a revival that would sweep through the homosexual communities and let them know Jesus. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. So thank you for listening to this podcast today. If you've enjoyed it, would you please subscribe to it on either iTunes or SoundCloud and then leave a positive review and then encourage others to listen to it as well. Check back in with us again for our next episode. God be with you.